0: When my father was asked to go look at a job, you know, a potential client and give them an estimate, he wasn't able to understand the directions to actually get to the house. So I would listen in on another phone and write down the directions. And then I would go in the car to the residence um, and then I would get out and I would basically be the translator.
1: You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're gonna get there together. I'm gonna bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hi, friends. I hope everyone had a wonderful, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving. We are headed into the winter and what could be, well, a lot of downtime and a lot of time to reflect on the year and maybe gear up for 2021, which I hope will be a better year for many of us. I'm going to focus the next few episodes on a combination of books that. I love and recommend and have made an impact on me, as well as ways that we can all get organized for the new year and being the financial grown ups that we want to be. Today, I want to first give you an update on the author of a book that made a huge impact on me. It is Fran Hauser's The Myth of the Nice Girl, Achieving a Career You Love Without Becoming the Person You Hate. Fran is also a longtime media powerhouse executive, including having been the president of digital at time and she remains an active angel investor. Now, since the release of her book, Fran has created a new offering of courses to help all of us level up our careers. You can find them by going to her website. But here's what caught my attention that I am really excited about as we head into winter. In addition to being an author herself, Fran decided that she was going to open up a bookstore. But of course, just at the exact time her dream project was coming to life, the coronavirus pandemic hit. And she had to pivot. Well, that pivot led her to create Fran's bookshelf, which she is building out and has an exponentially growing following already on Instagram. Check it out, but only after you listen to my interview with the wonderful Fran Hauser. Hey, Fran Hauser, you are a financial grown up. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bobby. Great to be here. Congratulations on the incredible success of your book, The Myth of the Nice Girl, Achieving a Career You Love love circled in a bright red circle without becoming a person you hate big X over the hate. Of course, since the books come out, it's been named so many different things, including an Amazon best business book of 2018, best new book by people magazine and refinery 29 most anticipated title of April by bustle. I mean, I could just basically go on. Congratulations
0: on all of that, Fran. Oh, thank you. It's been amazing. I really I feel so grateful
1: You came to us with a story that's really meaningful because it has to do with your whole family and the money experiences that you learned growing up from your parents in the town where my sister now lives, Mount Kisco, Uh and you were their bookkeeper in their businesses in first grade. Tell us about that.
0: Yes. So my parents are Italian immigrants who moved to Mount Kisco, as you said, and Like many immigrants, it took a lot of courage to make this move, right? They were uneducated, they didn't speak the language, and they were moving to a place that was completely foreign to them. And what each of my parents did have, though, was a skill. So my father was a stonemason, my mother was really good at sewing, so they both started small businesses. My dad a stonemasonry business, and my mom opened up a tailoring shop with her best friend. Being the oldest of four, they needed my help, especially when it came to communication So when I was in first grade, I was preparing all of my dad's invoices. One memory that I have is I could only add at that point in time. I I couldn't multiply yet. So my aunt actually created a sales tax chart for me so that if the monthly maintenance was $300, I could see exactly what the sales tax was and then just add the two numbers together. So that was first grade. And then even in middle school, I was helping my mother With marketing. So helping her come up with a logo and getting different marketing and sales materials printed. Um, so I got exposed to business at a very young age and even understanding things like revenue and expenses, cash flow, you know, seeing that when more cash comes in than goes out, decisions that need to be made around what to do with that extra money. It was really interesting watching my dad because. He took some calculated risks and and invested in both commercial and residential real estate, which proved to be fruitful. You know, I would say at a at a very 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 young age, I sort of played this role of bookkeeper slash marketer slash general manager. Another vivid memory I have that I'll just share with you is when my father was asked to go look at a job, you know, to a, a potential client and give them an estimate. He wasn't able to understand the directions to actually get to the house. So I would listen in on another phone and write down the directions. And then I would go in the car with him and we would actually like drive to the residence together. Um, And then I would get out and I would basically be the translator for him. So that was my childhood. Wow. <laughs> Pretty unconventional.
1: Very unconventional. How did you assume this role? Were there specific, deliberate conversations, or did it just kind of evolve organically as you grew up in the household?
0: It really evolved organically because I was the oldest. You know, it, it really just, these things just, just fell on me. You know, it made sense. Like if something was broken, you know, even in the house and needed to be repaired, I would be the one to call like the plumber or the contractor. And at the time it felt really hard. It was frustrating for sure at times because, you know, I just felt so different from all of my American in quotes, you know, friends who were like doing sleepovers and play dates. And I had so much more responsibility. Now, obviously looking back, it was actually such an incredible experience, because I learned so much, you know, not just about business, but also about risk taking, like watching my parents who had so much going against them, they were at such a disadvantage, but they were still able to take these risks, you know, whether it was building these businesses or investing in, in real estate. And if you look at my career, like I've taken many risks in my career, you know, I've reinvented myself several times, I left Coca Cola in the late 90s. To go to an early stage internet company, movie phone, you know, or five years ago, I left a really comfortable job at Time Inc. to move into startup investing. So like, I haven't been afraid to take risks. And I think a lot of that comes from seeing how disadvantaged my parents were and feeling like if they could take risks, I should be able to.
1: I wanted to ask you so you mentioned and I was going to bring this up that you now are a startup investor how did this background in business and understanding risks and understanding strategy and marketing and even just the basic economics of business how does that inform your approach as an investor now
0: So I think in a lot of ways I mean you know for for starters when I'm evaluating the entrepreneurs you know I'm looking at them and I'm saying Do they have the capacity to take risks? Will they jump in with both feet? You know, and I'm also looking at like, what kind of mindset do they have? Are they optimistic? I I always felt like my parents approached every single venture with such optimism and with an abundance mindset and treating people kindly, you know, and with respect. So like those are things that I really look for in an entrepreneur. And then the other side of it is the brass tactics sort of operational side, which is, I feel like I'm really good at looking at financials and understanding where the risks are, really kind of getting nitpicky when it comes to the assumptions that are being used. So I feel like I can look at a P&L like pretty quickly and, you know, projected cash flows and all that good stuff. And I'm just, I'm so comfortable. I'm so comfortable with numbers and I'm so comfortable with looking at forecasts and really trying to make sense of it. And also understanding is, is there a there there? And then the other part too, I would say, is just understanding markets, understanding consumers. Um, I think that also comes from just having spent so much time with, client, with my parents' clients. So it's impacted me as an investor in so many different ways. So what is
1: the lesson then for our listeners from this that they can apply to their businesses and to some degree to their, to their lives?
0: I would say the, the lesson is to not be afraid to take risks and when you do so really approach it with a mindset of abundance and optimism and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to go all in, you know, and to, to jump in with with both feet. And then also the last thing I would say, which really ties back to the book is to treat people with kindness and respect because I think you look at my parents who barely spoke a word of English and they were still able to communicate through a lot of nonverbal cues. And, and a lot of that had to do with being charming and being kind. And that will take you far.
1: Yeah, because the book is really all about being nice, but in a strategic and smart way.
0: Yes. Being nice in a way where you're not a pushover and you're not veering into people-pleasing territory. You know, it's really about how you can be both nice and strong. Those two things are not mutually exclusive and that you can bring both of those into virtually any situation at work.
1: All right, let's talk about your everyday money tip because one thing that I love about this is it's very specific and tangible and something we can all do pretty much right away.
0: Yes, I love this. So what we do in my house is instead of a normal piggy bank, we collect coins in a five-gallon water jug. The kids love it because it's so much bigger than a piggy bank and it's clear so you can see the progress. The last time we cashed it in, the coins were worth $4,000 and it took us several years to fill it up. But it's just a really fun way to teach your kids about saving and about goals.
1: Where do you cash it in? What's that experience like? Is it, is it one of the
0: machines or do you bring it to a bank? It's actually hysterical because it's so heavy. So what you have to do is we, we put duct tape over the top of it to close it. And then we literally roll it. Like oh, my we God. Roll it down you the-
1: could get a smaller container, Fran. You know that.
0: I <laughs> know. But it's part of the experience, I guess. So much fun. And then we literally like bring it into the bank. The teller always has so much fun with it, right? Because they don't. it's not something that they usually see. So what did you do with the $4,000 then? The first time we did it, my husband and I, it was actually pre-kids. So we ended up spending it on a really great spa vacation, which is great. Just the two of us. Uh, that works. That works. Right. And now with the kids, we're like just starting to kind of talk to them about, okay, what do we want to spend it on? And that's also really fun because it allows you to kind of bat around ideas and then have something that you're really excited about and have, you know, have something to look forward to.
1: All right. We'll have to get an update and put it in the show notes as to where the money goes. (laughs) I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about your book because it's had so much impact.
0: Yes. The book is really my response to a question that I get asked all the time, which is how can you be so nice and still be successful? It's just a topic that I found myself talking about quite a bit. And it's something that I really believe like being nice and, and, you know, being empathetic and, and collaborative and having an abundance mindset I mean, all of those things have really served me well in my career. Um, if I think about like some of the bigger promotions that I received, or, you know, if I was asked to work on like a really high profile project, a lot of that came back to my ability to build relationships and Mm -hmm. earn trust. And a lot of that goes back to being nice. So the book is really actionable. I mean, it's, it's inspiring, but I think what makes it special is I am such an operator at heart that I really wanted to make sure that we filled it with tips and techniques and scripts. There are so many scripts for navigating yes, sticky situations. Yes, there
1: are very specific things because people think, well, if this happens to me. What do I, they literally don't have the words. Like when someone takes credit for an opportunity, for an idea that you had, you go into exactly what to do, which is important.
0: Yes, and I have to tell you one, one really cool thing. Just in over the past week, I've had three different women tell me that they all got really big raises using my advice in the book. Fantastic.
1: And now you're now working on this nice girl army, right? That's your saying on social media. And you bring together all these different stories that relate to that.
0: Yes. My nice girl army is actually a group of ambassadors that I put together probably about six to nine months ago. A lot of them are former mentees or current mentees. They really love the message in the book and they've really gotten behind the book. It's basically like a Google group that I've created where we all communicate with one another. And they've all been so helpful in promoting the book. And I think from a hashtag perspective, it's kind of taken on this bigger movement kind of feel to it. It's just been really fun to see women who I don't know reading the book and and using that, that hashtag and saying how much they love the book and how much it's helped them. So I think, you know, in terms of what I'm thinking about next, it's really how do I take all of this great content that's in the book and like, what else can I do with that content? So I'm just starting to think about some product extensions from the book, which is really exciting. And then still doing my, my day job, which is in investing and advising, which is something that I, I put on pause a little bit over the last few months as I've been working on the book tour. So I'm really excited to get back into that as well.
1: Cool. Well, I want to make sure everyone can, first of all, get the book if they haven't gotten it yet, but more importantly, also know where to find you and follow to get updates on all of these different projects.
0: Yes, definitely. So my website is franhauser.hauser.com, Hauser, dot com. And you can get all the information about the book and where to buy the book there. My Instagram and Twitter handle is the same. It's Fran underscore Hauser. And of course, you can always connect with me on LinkedIn as well.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Fran. I love the book. And if there's anyone out there that hasn't read it yet, please pick it up. It's wonderful. Well worth investing the time. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Bobby. Hey everyone. So Fran and I really just scratched the surface in that interview. Here's a little bit more wisdom from her book. Financial grown up tip number one. One thing that Fran talks about in the myth of the nice girl is the importance of how things are presented, the tone that you use in your voice. So you can be firm and not be a pushover and still be nice. Think about the way that you say things. Financial grown up tip number two. Don't say sorry so much. Try replacing it with thank you. Fran points out that many women apologize for things that not only were not their fault, but also they aren't really sorry about. For example, not being able to attend an event. She would often apologize for declining an invitation. Instead, she advises to simply say thank you for the invitation and say that you will not be able to attend. If you have not already, please hit that subscribe button and be in touch on Twitter at Bobby Rebel on Instagram at Bobby Rebel one and on Facebook. I am at Bobby Rebel. and learn more about the show at bobbyrebelcom forward slash financial podcast. And thank you to the wonderful Fran Hauser for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebell is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.